With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another episode of Q&A with Joe Arrigo, and I'm your boy Q. We're talking Raiders, we're talking Raiders, and if you've heard our podcast before, we're talking Raiders. You know, this is episode number three. It's going to be a lot of fun, got a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff for everybody to digest, and and Joe, I'm just happy to be back uh, for another episode with you, and and uh, you have a new addition to the family. I want to I want to start with that. You have a new addition, so uh, congratulations to you. Yeah, I appreciate that, bro. We, uh, Jaleesa and I, expanded our family by one with Carrington Jair Arrigo, born uh, on the 25th. That's part of the reason why we didn't do anything last week, becoming a dad again. And for the first time in 17 years, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of an adjustment period. But, man, we're excited. And the cool thing is uh, our top Raiders executive actually texted me um, and wished me and Jaleesa and the baby well um, last Monday out of the blue. And I thought that was a really cool gesture by a, a very classy person in the organization. I want to thank him. Uh, I won't say his name, but I want to thank him because I know he does listen to the podcast. No, that's awesome, man. That's that's real cool. And anytime you can have an addition to the family, man, it's great. Uh, I've done it multiple times, and I love every minute of it. And, and kids are great, so enjoy that. Uh, they'll, he'll, he'll be grown, and like you said, first time in 17 years, so you already know how quickly uh, the, the the kids grow up. So uh, he'll be grown before you oh, know yeah. it. <laughs> so enjoy. it's crazy. It's crazy because now combined, we have 11 kids. Damn, you got more than me. <laughs> <laughs> we got 11 of them combined so but we're very blessed Carrington's in perfect health it could be happening a better week with the combine upon us man that tell me this wasn't a great combine I, I enjoyed it thoroughly no it really was it's a combine is something that I get super excited about each and every year it's something that I, I stop down and watch every minute of it and if I can't watch it then I record it and then I, I follow up and watch it later and I know a lot of people think I'm sick for that because it's the underwear Olympics and I get it it is the underwear Olympics but look the combine for me is verifying what I've already seen or maybe making me go and look at something and say, okay, hold on. Let me go back and look at this dude one more time because he really showed out the combine. Is he really that dude on film? And so that kind of, that's what the combine does for me. Uh, and then obviously there's a lot of r- rumors and reports that come out of the combine. So I, I love to hear those kind of news, uh, n- news and notes when you hear, you know, uh, uh, GMs and, and coaches and everything get together and they actually are tampering because they're not supposed to do it, but they talk about veteran players and potential trades and again it's not supposed to happen until the league year opens but it happens every single year and I'm okay with that because it just gives us more information and more stuff to talk about and so yeah the combine is one of my favorite times of the year and this one was really really cool as far as I'm concerned especially defensively I was really excited on Saturday and Sunday just watching the defenses go out there and perform you know what's funny is I tweeted this out I think it was yesterday which would be Sunday um I tweeted out that if you're a team in need of defensive help, this is a great draft for you, especially if you need edge rushers, D linemen, and I believe linebackers. I think the secondary is a lot, a little bit top heavy, especially at the corner position. But at the safety position, there's some really, really interesting guys back there that um, that really stood out to me. And then what I like about the combine, first of all, I like, I like the NFL pushed up free agency like two weeks or three weeks. 
because before they had they put it off so long, you had to wait and wait. Now you're waiting six days, and next Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific time, free agency starts. So they're getting going right away. And then you know tomorrow being Tuesday um, is the last is the final day. I think they have till early morning or mid morning to that whether to decide whether or not they want to designate a franchise player or a transitional player or whatnot. But you got guys like Landon Collins that are going to be available, uh, C.J. Mosley, guys that can that are really really good and guys that have been to Pro Bowls and really been leaders in their locker room on very good teams at one point. Now they're, these guys are going to be available. And that just kind of shows the way the NFL is going. So that's going to help you kind of not change draft boards, but maybe adjust draft plans if a team, let's say the Raiders were to land a C.J. Mosley and a Landon Collins. Now, not, now you really don't have to worry about that middle linebacker and that in the other safety spot. You can focus on other positions, and that's where the combine comes into play with all the the tampering, but you know what? We all love a little tampering. It's not tampering unless you get caught. Let's be honest. So, <laughs> and then, and then with the combine, and I, I really Saturday, Sunday, and Monday are the days I really watch them. This year, I kind of watched the quarterbacks and running backs a little bit because there was a running back in particular. I, two running backs I really wanted to see, and the one other guy just kind of jumped out at me that made me want to go watch some film. A guy you'll know a lot about, and I'll bring him up in a minute. And then I wanted to see the quarterbacks and. You know, I'm, we, and, and let's just get into the combine. Let's talk about quarterbacks right off the bat because the big rumor is, as you know, as I and as I know, Kyler Murray uh, is a guy that a lot of media people uh, say John Gruden is enamored with, in love with. He wants to draft at the number four spot. And right now, we're going to play a clip of Coach Gruden talking to ESPN, and this is what he said about drafting Kyler Murray and, and all the, him being enamored and everything. Can we lay to rest the Kyler Murray at number four to the <laughs> Oakland Raiders? He's a the guy asked me one question. People ask me one question about Murray can, at the Senior Bowl. I mean, can, Sorry, can, I didn't mean to. You know, <laughs> the guy's can, a hell of a player. I don't know if you've seen Murray, but he runs four or three, scores yeah. sixty points a game. <laughs> Sorry for liking the kid. Even <laughs> <Gee>, Christmas. <laughs> so, so with the number four pick, the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> And I'll be shocked if he's there. Let me be perfectly clear. But, uh, look, he's a heck of a player. Coached some good quarterbacks yep. at the Senior Bowl, too. Drew Locke, good. impressive. Daniel Jones. Um, so it's going to be interesting. As you know, this draft process is always uh, interesting. I think it's very interesting, Q. He doesn't deny that he thinks he's a good football player. But him and Mike Mayock in the, at the Combine, really last Wednesday when they got there, had a, you know did their press conference, and they said, quite frankly, that, they're really happy with Derek Carr, and they feel he's the guy going forward. Do you believe this, the Raiders and, and Murray being a match, if he's there at four, and them trying to move Carr? You know, it's it's funny, man. I've, I've had mixed feelings on this whole situation. First of all, I can't believe Kyler Murray's in the situation and the position that he's in. Uh, he comes in at five foot ten and and two hundred seven pounds. And no, he'll never play at two hundred seven pounds. But that's what he comes in at at the combine. So he won, and that's why the quarterbacks were kind of irrelevant to me after that. He already won the combine just by his size. So as far as I'm concerned, he's going to be gone after number one. He's going number one, in my opinion. Either the Cardinals or another team is going to trade up to go get him. And I never thought I would say that. Uh, all the time I saw him at Texas A&M, when I saw him at Oklahoma playing baseball, I thought, okay, that's where you're going to go. Then the A's go and draft him number nine overall, and then boom. Now here we are a few months later, and he has a position to be the first guy ever to be drafted in the top ten of both the baseball and football drafts which is unbelievable for a guy who's five foot ten but has been a winner his whole life so with that being said I've gone back and forth a bunch of times on this situation with the Raiders and if I think
think that that this is really a possibility. And I really, truly believe that the Cardinals are going to go get him. I think the Cardinals are going to get him at, at number wow. one. I, I do. I, I really believe that uh, Cliff Kingsbury, I think that he wants him. He's going to go in with his guy. Rosen was not his guy. I think he's going to go in with him and, you know, basically hitch his wagon to Kyler Murray. And if it works out, then he's a genius or he's a hell of a coach. He sticks around for a long time. If it doesn't work, well, then he gets fired. Same situation he was in going into the year. He wasn't an NFL guy. He was a USC offensive coordinator. And then, boom, he, before he ever even gets a cup of coffee in L.A., he's uh, in Arizona as the head coach. So, I mean, things happen. The guy's going to get another job if he fails in the in the NFL. He'll probably be back in college, which is actually probably more his speed. But whatever. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Everybody wants the next Patrick Mahomes. Everybody wants the next Baker Mayfield. It's funny. Big 12 quarterbacks are all of a sudden being sought after when, well, you couldn't get a guy that was successful from the Big 12 for the longest. So it's very, very interesting. I do think I do think that the Raiders are interested in him. I do think that they like him. I, I really do. And I really I mean, how could you not? The dude is just a winner. He's been a winner at every stage of life. I mean, the dude went to Allen High School in Texas. Texas high school football, one of the best high school footballs out there. You know, you cover the sport uh, very well, like a yeah. glove. You know yeah. what you know what Texas high school football means to everybody. And, I mean, the dude never lost. <laughs> he never lost. He's an absolute well, winner. So there's a lot of things to, to digest in there. I don't think that they're going to try to shop Derek Carr. I think maybe they threw the name out there or somebody floated it out there just to see what the response is. And if some team like the Jaguars or Giants said, hey, we'll give you uh, you know, a first-round pick and, and a second or whatever, some kind of ridiculous offer, then they almost would be stupid not to pull the trigger. But obviously, honestly, I think that for 2019, I think Derek Carr is the, the Oakland Raiders' starting quarterback. I really do. I'm going to say this with Kyler Murray. I feel like this. And you told me this on the record, off the record as well. And I've heard this from some other people uh, down in Texas. I have a, couple, a friend that coached at a, at a high school in Texas. He said Kyler Murray is the best quarterback to ever come out of Texas playing high school football. That's his exact words. He Like you, he said he's a winner. The guy, he just put up ungodly numbers. He, he was hard to defense. Now, mind you, he's a receiver coach, and he's at a lower level in, in Texas football. But he's like, Kyler Murray is just that guy. Do I think there's interest? Of course I do. John Gruden quarterbacks, he comes from the Ron Wolf, Mike Holmgren tree, where you always look at quarterbacks because you never know when yours goes down. You always want to have a good one in your back pocket. But I talked to a couple people today, and before I get to what they told me, I want to give Ben Albright some, some credit. Ben, is he, he covers uh, he's a sports radio personality, sports analyst in Denver, one of the best. Uh, follows on Twitter. Ben is as dialed in as anybody, um, and he doesn't need a blue check mark. Uh, I think he and I are in that same boat. We really don't care for a blue check mark. But Ben put up a really good analogy. He said, you know, the Cardinals fired a head coach because he failed to develop Rosen, and now they're going to dump Rosen for Murray to put with an unproven head coach to develop him at the NFL level. Like, think about that for a moment. Yeah. They're, they're GM. Fired the head coach because he couldn't get a lot. The offensive line was pitiful. I've covered Josh Rosen in high school as well, as well as at UCLA. The dude arguably was one of the top four or five quarterbacks in the history of, of football in California. Yes, he's got an attitude, and yes, he seems a little aloof, to say the least, and he's arrogant. But out of all the quarterbacks that came out of last year's draft class, he was the one guy that reminded me personally the most of Aaron Rodgers, at least from an attitude standpoint, because he's a thinker. He asks questions. He wants to know things. I don't think last year was a good sample size for him at all, and I think the Cardinals would be stupid if they got rid of him. 
And if I'm the Raiders, and let's say you can get a first-round pick for Carr, or if you're the Giants, and you can give up a second-round pick, or hey, you know, even give up your fourth, the fourth overall, or the or the uh, sixth or seventh overall pick. Why not do it and get your quarterback? And get, I mean, if you're a Raiders, they can get a younger guy, and he can, you know, when you if you do decide to move off a car, which I don't think happens, first of all, then it leads to what I was told earlier today before we did the show. I was talking to a good friend at the Combine. Obviously, I wasn't there because of the baby being born. And he said one of the things that he heard that is, that is not as much chatter, but there was chatter, was John Gruden really liking Dwayne Haskins because he's got the big arm. He's a guy that, out of all the quarterbacks, he, he feels that he's the most ready, uh, well, one of the most ready pro-wise. He can move his safety, his footwork. His footwork needs to be cleaned up a little bit, but for the most part, he's a guy that can do everything that kind of fits Gruden's system, and he does it at 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, yeah. So that would that would be something to monitor and keep an eye on. No, it definitely would be. And I've kind of heard that myself a, a little bit as well about uh, Haskins. I just don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it's one of those – uh, John Gruden, if he's going to go and make a move for Murray, it's going to be a splash move. And I don't know if Haskins is a splash guy. You know what I mean? I think that if they go and get Murray, it's for multiple reasons. One, everything that I already said earlier about him being a winner and just what he's been able to do you know, in, in high school and college and go out and win the Heisman and just be that kind of guy. But also, he's also thinking about, hey, man, we're about to land down in Vegas. And look, Joe, you know all about Vegas. I mean, you, you, gotta, you come into Vegas with a splash. What's a bigger splash than Kyler Murray? You know what I mean? Like right now, he's the hottest thing going. I will say, Daniel Jeremiah, and I think that he does a heck of a job on, on Twitter at Move the Sticks for the NFL Network. He does a great job, and he's been take, obviously taken over the role since Mike Mayock has become the GM of the Raiders. Uh, he had uh, he had uh, Kyler Murray as his fourth quarterback. He would have had him as his fourth quarterback if he was in the draft in 2018. He actually had Josh Rosen as his number two quarterback. So, I mean, that kind of, you know what I mean? That kind of puts it in perspective where this draft quarterback class is, is kind of weak. And Kyler Murray, where he's quarterback one or two, you can argue either way right now, would have been, to Daniel Jeremiah at least, quarterback four if it was in 2018 draft. So that kind of puts you in, into perspective of where these quarterbacks, how they rank right now. But don't you think that this may be a really media-driven in terms of um, them pushing the quarterback narrative? I mean, if you look at Murray, I mean, like, how often? You've never heard, even when it was Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf. Now, most of us thought Peyton Manning was the right pick and Ryan Leaf was going to be very good, but not better than Peyton Manning. Right. I'll go on record as saying that. Um, I thought Leaf was going to be good. Obviously, I was wrong. I thought Manning was going to be better just because of the bloodlines. But when have you ever heard, before the combine is over, a head coach reportedly saying, Kyler Murray's our guy that's we're taking number one? Yeah. Like, you don't, you don't hear that. Even with Michael Vick, it was, okay, the Chargers, are they going to take him number one? And then they have that big trade with Atlanta. And then they end up getting Drew Brees, Lydian Tomlinson. Like, when you, when you – I, I just think that it, it, it's, there's, it's what the – as we record this, it's March 4th. And it's in the evening of March 4th that the number one pick's already settled. Now we're already moving on to the 49ers at two. And are they open for business? I mean, I, I, I just think that this quarterback narrative is being pushed on us as, as fans and the people that, you know, and people that are in our bit line of work as far as broadcasting, sports media, and whatnot. I, I kind of think it's being forced down our throats that a, this quarterback class, he has to go one, where all we've heard, even going into or during last year's draft and prior to it, was this quarterback draft, if the kid from Oregon doesn't get in it, it's a weak draft. 
right. and for a quarterback. I still think it is. Like I think Haskins, I think he's the best quarterback in this draft. I love Kyler Murray, and I think in the way he plays, I do. I mean, he can't play quarterback in the NFL at 195 pounds. Like he that that Vic couldn't even do it. Vic was at least 200, and he got up to like 210 at one point and didn't lose any speed. He's not going to play at 207. I agree completely with you and where he weighed in at. He's going to drop that weight before the pro day on the 13th at Oklahoma, and he's going to run wild and um, it's going to it's going to be crazy. He's going to control the environment. Um, Daniel Jones is a guy to keep an eye on. I think he's a I think he's a guy to keep an eye on as well. I think a lot of teams. Um, again, I think the Giants are going to do some things. And and at the end of the day, I mean, I, this quarterback class. If I'm in need of a quarterback, I'm kind of like I'm looking to move back. I mean, there's going to be teams trying to jump up and get quarterbacks. That always seems to happen, especially with classes that that are considered weak, and then those teams end up being bad teams a little bit longer. But I'm going to wait. I may go in the free agency and try to get a Nick Foles. I may try to trade for a Derek Carr, which, again, I think we agree that we don't think that's going to happen. Um, I may go try to get, hell, a Deshaun Kaiser, who's got some starting quarterback experience and, and has had a year to learn. I mean, I there's some there are some guys you can go out there and possibly get I just don't think any of these quarterbacks are ready to go week one. And with that, do you waste a high pick, a pick in the top 15 on a quarterback that's not going to start week one for you? I mean, that's that's the question that all these teams have to answer. You know what I mean? That's the question that all these GMs and coaches have to agree on. What are they going to do? What is the decision going to be made? You know, a, a lot of these guys that are going to be picked early as far as quarterbacks goes, and I'm talking Haskins and Murray here, I mean, these guys don't have a lot of, of starting quarterback experience. They really don't. They have one year on film where a guy like a Jared Stidham from Auburn, who spent time at Baylor as well, has a lot of games under his belt. Now, I don't think he's a top-notch a quarterback but he does have experience so experience has has a lot to do with it as well and so it, it's going to be very interesting how it shakes out if you like the Giants for, for instance I think that Dwayne Haskins is their guy and if he's not available they're not taking a quarterback if they can't get a quarterback or they can't get him they're not going to get a quarterback I just think that they really really like Haskins now look we're 50 something days out from the draft there's so many things that could change between now and then teams could trade up teams could go and get like you mentioned a veteran already I mean there's so many things that could happen but as we're talking early March right now, I just feel like uh, Kyler Murray is is, is going to be a guy that's going to end up going number one over all to the Cardinals, or he's going to go to another team that really, really likes him, and it's because of the what-if factor. What if he is that dude? What if he is that next dude? What if he's that Patrick Mahomes guy? Now that Patrick Mahomes lit up the league, now everyone wants that. It's a copycat league. Now they all want Patrick Mahomes. Now, he don't have the size of Patrick Mahomes, but he could do some things. He don't have the arm. He don't have his arm. He do, it's, not, like it's not as strong, but it, like, he's got he's got a pretty damn good arm, and he's pretty accurate. It's not like Mahomes, though, but, I mean, a lot's not like Mahomes. Mahomes is a, is a special dude, but he's got Baker Mayfield tendencies as well, So and Baker Mayfield is a winner. You can see him winning for Cleveland and make Cleveland relevant, so that's that's part of it. Everybody wants that guy now. Now, I don't disagree, but, I mean, if, if I don't see any Mahomes in him. Honestly, I, the improvision, I don't see – I see more Baker Mayfield. Um, and, you know, I, not as height, not as – because I, but I do see the Russell Wilson in terms of escapability. And, and you know, that's what I see. I don't see any Mahomes. There's nobody in this class that's, that's got that Mahomes arm. I mean, I think in my lifetime there's been about four or five guys that have it. That's Brett Favre, Jeff George, uh, Dante Culpepper, Aaron Rodgers – 
and Dan Marino and John Elway, six guys in my life that have a, that has an arms like Mahomes, and only about half of those guys can move out the pocket like Mahomes. The rest, the rest have no. I don't see that with, with Murray. Um, what I see with Murray is a guy that in today's NFL, you want to go air raid, you want to spread out, you want to move the pocket, you want to be able to have run some RPOs. He would fit. Um, what I like most about Murray overall, besides being a winner and a, and a good leader, was you look at some of those throws against Alabama, there's baseball footwork in terms of how he's throwing the ball at the arm angle and, and where his feet are. It's almost like he's rolling a double play and, and the way his feet are, they're, right. they're closer together and you can kind of adjust where the ball goes. He's crazy accurate, which I really like in a quarterback. and I do think he's got above average arm strength. I just don't think he's that guy like Mahomes, like like people want to compare him. I don't, I, I don't think there's anybody that really you can't compare Kyler Murray to in the NFL right now, and maybe even ever because he's only 5'10". Right. Because, I mean, D- Doug Flutie, but Doug Flutie didn't have that arm. No, it's and closer, he was, he's closer and, to Russell Wilson, if anybody. Exactly. So, I mean, we said this quarterback class is not the the best quarterback class, but there's going to be some guys in here that's going to surprise some people where they get picked. How you know what team takes them, um, and how they're going to be used. But Q, we gotta we gotta take a quick break. But when we come back, we gotta talk about receivers and running backs. So I'm going to tell you the one running back that Raider Nation needs to keep an eye on because he fits everything that John Gruden likes in terms of running style, style of play, and everything else. I'm going to tell you that after this quick break. You're listening to Q and A with your boy Q and Joe Arrigo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Here's DK Metcalf. Come on! Come on! Four, three, three. Stop. No, I'm I'm looking in the stands right now. I saw two or three scouts um, look at their stopwatch and show other scouts. As if, hey, did you get that? Did, am I reading this right? He is Batman. I would look into the camera and just say, I'm Batman. I might throw up the deuces. <laughs> he almost, his time almost matches double his body fat. Wow. Wow. All simulcam together. Stanford. And George Kittle, Fant, and Hawkinson. And it's Fant, Kittle, Hawkinson, Earth. Forty-seven. Oh. Holy. Hey now, Crow. Hey now, indeed. And then that's since been taken out <laughs> by a hundredth of a second. Unofficially, let's see what Devin White does. Four, four, two. Rich, <laughs> giddy up, giddy up. Indeed, that is your clubhouse leader. The last one to run a forty for the first time sets the mark. For the second, oh wow! Way to go! And he's now FaceTime. Let's give him a moment, everybody. It is pretty emotional for. Welcome back to Q and A with your boy Q and Joe Arrigo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. I'm Joe Arrigo. Q, before we went to break, 
we were talking about the receivers are running back. There's one running back that's in this class that checks off all the boxes that John Gruden looks for, and he reminds me of Charlie Gardner. Ooh. That running back is Daryl Henderson out of Memphis. <laughs> I only laugh well, because I was thinking about him, and uh, I actually interviewed him. I had an opportunity to interview him at the Super Bowl in Atlanta, and uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I ever aired it on the radio because we just had so many damn interviews to get to. But yeah, uh, that's a hell of a running back. That's a good option right there. I like that one. He's a guy round two, early round three that should be there. Uh, he's a guy that can get out and go. Uh, he's got that home run speed that Gruden looks for. Um, if Marshawn Lynch comes back now that the Raiders are staying in Oakland for the 2019 season uh, and Marshawn coming back is an option according to, to Gruden and Mayock, I think that this is the type of guy that could come in and catch balls off the backfield, make guys miss, hit the home run, get the tough yard, be that Charlie Gardner that works so well for Coach Gruden in his first tenure as the Raiders head coach. Yeah, no, Daryl Henderson is a stud. I, I like him a lot. He did some big things at Memphis. I mean, he did some really, really big things at Memphis. And a lot of people don't really know about him because, well, he was at Memphis. But uh, he's, a, he's a heck of a running back. Uh, he's kind of smaller in stature. But at the same time, he's, he's got them, them jets, man. He can go. And he, he has an opportunity to hit a home run anytime that he touches the ball. And I could totally see him being that guy. And, you know, you mentioned Marshawn Lynch and if he's going to come back or not and, and that it's out there on the table. I just really, in my heart, feel like he's not going to return, even though I know the Raiders are going to be in Oakland at least one more year. Uh, obviously, they got that 2020 option, but I, I know that stadium in Vegas will be done. Uh, it's on track and probably ahead of schedule right now, but uh, I know they got that option, so that's cool. But either way, I don't think that he's going to going to return. I just feel like he's he's comfortable in what he's doing, and he's comfortable with what he already did. You know, even though he left uh, 2018 and, and went on IR and, and didn't finish out the season on the field, uh, and I know a lot of athletes don't like to do that. They like to not go out like that. But with what Marshawn has already done in his career and living out his dream, being able to play for his hometown team for a couple seasons and, you know, doing other things off the field, being an entrepreneur and stuff like that, I just kind of feel like he's done enough. And so I don't really think he's going to come back. So when you look at the depth chart for the Raiders, you know, you got Chris Warren that's going to be coming off of IR and, and he's fully healthy. You got Jalen Richard. I think DeAndre Washington ends up getting moved and then you have a, a hole to fill. You got a guy that you need to go draft and get another running back and you know I think that uh, Daryl Henderson is a heck of a choice. I also kind of put a sleeper and put a, a feeler out for a uh, uh, a young man out of Iowa State, and you know uh, David Montgomery. I think he's a heck of a running back as well, and I think he could be had probably a little bit later in the draft, not even the third round, maybe like the fourth round. But I think he's a heck of a runner. He, he runs hard. He run, runs with attitude. He's got a major chip on his shoulder, and I love that. Uh, go ahead and have that. I, I want my players to have chips on their shoulder. I just feel like they they go harder in the paint like that, and uh, he's a guy that I'd look out for as well. But uh, Daryl Henderson is an absolute stud. He probably would be option A if uh, if it, if we're talking later rounds. Uh, obviously, if you're talking early in the first round, I'm looking at uh, at Jacobs out of Alabama because he can do everything. He didn't have a whole lot of, of wear and tear on his tires because they had a nice little rotation going on in Alabama, but that dude could do it all as well. But if you're looking uh, later rounds, then Daryl Henderson probably would be option A for me as well. Well, don't forget, the Raiders have a ton of cap space. No. And no. the rumor going around is they're one of the leading candidates for Le'Veon Bell. No, he's going to the Jets. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think he goes to the Jets. I think if it's not the Raiders, it's the Colts or or potentially the Buccaneers. 
I can see that. I can see Tampa Bay. I can see the, the Colts as well, but I know Marlon Mack had a heck of a season for him, and I know Marlon Mack is not Le'Veon Bell, but if you got a guy that's that's producing as well as he did, why go and spend all that extra bread? And they have a ton of bread to spend. So why go spend that extra bread on, on a guy like that when maybe they go in another direction and get some other players, especially on that defensive side of the ball, keep uh, increasing the defense out there and, and, and the offensive line? And You know what I mean? Like I just think that the Colts have other things that they could do besides invest in a running back when they got a guy. I think the Jets make the most sense i think that they're willing to spend the money that he's going to want look 50 million in the first two years is what he's asking for and i don't think he's going to get that but uh we had joel Corey, a uh, former agent on the show the other day and i'll tell you right now he said that the agent for Le'Veon bell is going to be looking for about 33 million in the first year just to make up for what he did not get in 2018 because he did not sign that deal and did not get his 14 point something million dollars so they're going to look to recoup that that's 33 something million dollars for one year I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it for a guy that's got a ton of wear and tear on his tires and a, a guy that has never played a full season. And I just, I just don't, I just don't. When I know that you, like you mentioned, you just brought up running backs. You can get in the draft later in the in different rounds. The Raiders have at least 10 draft picks as of right now. They'll probably have more by the time the draft is actually over. They'll probably be closer to 15, but right now they got 10. Uh, I, I'm definitely going to go ahead and pull a, a running back out of the draft and not go and sign a, a veteran, especially not Le'Veon Bell with all that money. I'm just not going to do it. Oh, well, see, here, here's the difference between me and you. The reason why I would do it, okay, and you're going to, and this, and Raider Nation, hear me out on this, okay? The reason why I would do it is you front load the contract for two years. So then, if you're not getting what you need by that year one in Vegas, you can cut ties with him and you have a guy like a Daryl Henderson or a guy like a Travion Williams out of Texas A&M who had a very good day and I love the way he runs the ball or a Justice Hill who may be the most explosive back in this draft to go right behind Bell and it gives it spells him a little bit and doesn't have to have three or four or five hundred touches, you know, three hundred and plus touches, let's say, you know, four or five that would that'd be ridiculous, but three hundred plus touches as a back catching the ball, running the ball, whatever. I think that kind of makes sense. Plus, he makes the job easier for Derek Carr. Now if teams can't drop back and play covers, they're going to come up and load the box. And let's just say the Raiders make some other moves, and we'll get to receivers in a little while on the outside. It'll, that'll allow Carr to really pick apart the defense. But I go back to what we're talking about with running backs in this draft. Um, Daryl Henderson, fit-wise to me, is the best for the Raiders. And I feel like this, if, you don't like, if you're not in love with the running back and you feel like all the running backs are pretty much equal from like 40 to like 96, you don't have to go get one. But if you really believe and you're pounding the table for a guy that you feel fits what you want to do, that is that type of back that goes out there and could be a difference maker for you and you're not going to spend the money on a bell, go get him when you, where you feel you can, where you can land him. If you feel like you got to, if you got to get him early in the second or potentially trade back a little bit to get him, you know, maybe back 10 spots or seven spots to be able to pick him there, go do that. The guy I feel and I really like is Daryl Henderson. Um, I, I heard rumblings that the team really likes him as well. I'm not, you know, again, we're, we're, they were, we're in draft season. Uh, we're in off season. So there's black puffs of smoke, which is true. There's black puffs of smoke. That means you're full of shit. It's one of the two. I'm, again, it's, there, this is a time of misdirection, but I was told, and this was, Earlier in the year during the season with Memphis playing, that the area scouts down there in Memphis really, really, the area scout really liked 
what he's seen out of him and fell under Coach Gruden. This kid could be an excellent running back. And you brought up Jacobs from Alabama. I don't know if a running back is going in the first round this year. Uh, this is this is one of those years where I know we're getting back to the to the running backs becoming in vogue with Gurley having the type of year he had, Saquon Barkley, uh, to name a few of, the, of these young studs. I don't know if this is a draft class that has that guy that you're like, okay, this dude is that running back 1A and everybody else is, is kind of beneath him. Um, so I think they're all kind of – it's kind of like, like what's your flavor that you want to what, – what flavor ice cream do you want for your offense? Um, Jacobs would be a good fit for a pounding back like a Lynch, but you're still missing that home run guy. I don't know if Jacobs has the NFL long speed that a lot of teams are looking for um, and a lot of teams will crave. I know Gruden, he likes that guy that can kind of do it all, and that's why I feel Henderson is the guy – that uh that really again checks off all the boxes no that makes all the sense in the world and again you're right there's not a uh, there's not a ezekiel elliott there's not a saquon barkley there's not a todd Gurley. there's not those guys in the draft this year there just isn't as far as the running back position goes but there's some quality dudes and uh you know like i said i'd be totally comfortable with with, with the raiders grabbing henderson i think he's a hell of a running back he did like i said did some really big things at uh at memphis and kind of flew underneath the radar man a lot of people don't know about him. a lot of people aren't talking about him and he's kind of a quiet kid so he's not a dude that's going to be uh, flamboyant and in your face I mean, again, when I was talking to him at the at the Super Bowl in Atlanta, man, he was just real calm and real humble and just real chill about himself and just ready to get this whole thing underway. Ran a really good 40 at the combine. But again, that's just kind of verification of what already seen on film and seen him do throughout, uh, you know, his, his time at Memphis. And he's represented by Lee Steinberg. And Lee Steinberg is one of those guys that always gets us a bunch of good uh, guests on the show. He's a, he's a friend of the of my program director. So that's why we're able to talk to his agent guys. They're guys that he represents. And so Aaron, he's Henderson, great. Yeah. Lee is awesome. He is, he's, uh, he's just a stud. He's an absolute stud. I'm so glad that he's uh, getting a lot of success again. And obviously Patrick Mahomes is his big, his big fish right now, but uh, yeah, he, he's, he's a great dude. Really uh, love that guy. And, uh, been to his party now a few times in a, in a row at the Super Bowl, and his parties okay. are always A1, and I love them. So, yeah, there you go. Okay, two two things about that. One, if Lee's listening, uh, congratulations on your sobriety, first of all. Yep. I know he's fought long and hard for that, and uh, he's done a fantastic job um, and, and fighting a demon that a lot, a lot of people uh, can overcome. And he's doing a great job with it, taking it day by day. Um Lee was one of the first people to actually hit me up on Facebook as to be one of my friends. And Lee and I, we commu- we've communicated through there countless times. We've had some of his guys on as well. Um, we've been, I, you know, again, with his battle with sobriety, uh, I've been there every step of the way that I could in terms of, you know, um, behind the scenes as far as just sending him a message, hey, keep fighting the good fight. So, first of all, congratulations to Lee on that. Secondly, I want you to talk about going to Lee Steinberg's party and then you hanging out and kicking it with Mark Davis. <laughs> I don't know how much I What's hung out. And, I don't know how much I hung out and kicked it with him, but I was in the same room and I talked to him and took a picture with him and, and hollered at him for a quick minute. But I mean, that, that was really it. It was, I had a strategic planned when I went in there and, and I saw him and I, I had already heard rumblings that he was going to be there because we had, well, we had Lee on the show the day before at, uh, at on Radio Row and he said that Mark Davis was going to be honored uh, the next day. So I thought, okay, uh, I guess he's going to be there. So when we went and showed up to the party, I, I told my, my co-host, I said, hey man, I think, uh, I think Mark Davis might be here. And immediately as soon as I walked in, that's the first person I saw. He was standing right there uh, you know, just basically talking to a bunch of people. And so I said, well, I'm going to go over there and show my respect and at least at least holler at him. And so uh, I did. And so strategically, I thought I'd go in there, introduce myself to him, shake his hand, take a picture with him, and basically 
just be cool and chill and not rush them and be like, hey, Mark, let me do this interview with you. Or, hey, Mark, let's, you know, I just want to be cool and just say what's up and then double back and say, hey, man, uh, if you get an opportunity, I'd love to, you know, spend a couple minutes with you and just and just talk with you. That was the plan. But once he went up and got his award, I mean, he was out of there so quick and, and Tom Flores was in the process of trying to get into the Hall of Fame. Obviously, he didn't, uh, failed again. Uh, that's a shame, but whatever. That's another conversation. And so uh, he was leaving out the door, and he he told me he told actually he told Helen Yee as well that uh you know oh I'm on my way to go try to talk to talk to the people and get Tom Flores into the Hall of Fame, so I got to go. So I didn't have time to really execute part B of the plan, but I let him know who I was, let him know where I worked at, let him know that I was a, a big Raider fan, and you know do different podcasts for the Raiders, and uh, you know just like I said, always been a Raider fan. And he said, hey man, it's funny that there's so many people here in uh in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, that have been telling me how big a Raider fans they are. And so he thought that that was really cool that uh, Raider Nation really is worldwide. And that's something that we all already know. But at the same time, just to kind of see it and, and run into it on a daily is pretty cool. And so he, he was having a good time. And unfortunately, I didn't get to talk to him as long as I wanted to, but I wasn't going to sweat him. I'm just, I'm not that dude. I don't sweat anybody. But at the same time, I was trying to trying to position myself to get a nice little interview with him, but it just didn't happen. But that's all right. That's It's one of those life goals. It, it will happen at some point, just not right now. He is such a cool dude. Like I've had a few interactions with with Mark, um, and I, I won't make any of them public uh, because they're, a, lot, a lot of them are private. But he is such a he is, and people think I'm crazy. And and, and I've told you this uh, more than a few times. He's just a dude that happens to own an NFL team. Like he's not one of those typical owners that's like I'm above you and I won't talk to you. Now he sits back and it was like. Like, hey, and if he sees you, be like, hey, Q, how's it going? Nice to see you again. Right. Like, he'll remember your name. He'll have that conversation with you. He's a he's a really good dude. I couldn't be happier for the success the success he's having off the field that he that you know he's been the last few years. Um, and again, I thought, I thought when you when I seen the pic of you and him and you put it out there, uh, I really thought it was cool and I was happy for you. Um, I didn't know it was at least least party though. Yeah, so that, that's. Yeah, so, no, no doubt. That, uh, that's a fun party to go to, man. I go, I go every year that I'm at the Super Bowl. We always go to his party, and man, it is always top notch. Speaking of top notch, did you see Batman running his forty on Saturday? I'm talking about DK Metcalf. Yes, I saw that. I saw him running that forty, and I saw everybody falling in love with him. Like he's the end all, be all wide receiver, and you got to go get him immediately, and don't let him get past number four. I heard it all. Uh, yeah, the dude's a monster. I-, I will say that. First and foremost, he's an absolute monster. But I will question if he was even the best wide receiver on his team when he was at Ole Miss. I'll just throw that out there. Okay, so you're thinking A.J. Brown's better? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, I- I'll say this. I- I- this is what I've seen with Metcalf. You want a big receiver that, that can go up top, that can run the deep routes. Uh, he's not going to run a lot of the, the short intermediate routes. Um, I don't think he has the hips for that. And I think his, his three-cone drill – uh, kind of prove that uh, mm-hmm. as far as his change of direction um, isn't as good as a as he would hope. I mean, I think it's, it's actually pretty bad. Uh, overall, though, his forty, the vertical, the bench press, the physique, he checks off all the boxes you look for. He's not Calvin Johnson, but I don't think he's Kevin White either. I think he falls somewhere in between. If you're a DK Metcalf fan and you want, and you're a Raider fan and you're like. Damn it, we have to add this dude to our squad. You got to trade back a little bit. But see, I don't even know if he's going to be there at four. And I'll tell you the team 
that could use a guy like him for a weapon for the young quarterback is the Jets at three. That's a big splash, big market. He's a guy with a flashy smile. That could be a good fit for him, which bodes well for the Raiders at four. If that's the case, let's say Bosa's taken, now you have your choice of uh, Williams or Allen at four. But I can see him going three, or I can see him going 12, 13, 14, 15, somewhere around there as well to a team that a, a team that's in need of a wide receiver. Yeah, I just don't see him as a top five, you know, top five guy. I just don't. I don't see him being drafted that high, but I know he's got a lot of hype, and the combine will do that to you. Sometimes you fall in love with what you see. The 40 was outstanding. His weights, uh, the bench press was outstanding. His physique, like you mentioned, is outstanding. But I just get a little scared, and I get a little worried and concerned that maybe he's overbuilt, you know, and there's been guys in the league in the past that have been overbuilt and Obviously, the first guy I think of is David Boston, and I'm not saying he's David Boston, but that's the first guy I see and I think of when I see him rip the way he is, and it kind of worries me. It kind of concerns me and and think, ah, maybe he's not that dude. I think that maybe, you know, like you said, 12 to 12 to 18 range. If he drops in the 20s, then we're talking a little bit, but I don't think he will. But still, it's just, I don't know, man. I saw a lot of people, a lot of Raider fans hit me up. It was like, that's the dude. That's Megatron. That's Optimus Prime, whatever they want to call him. And he's not. Like you mentioned, he's not Calvin Johnson. He's not that dude. I don't believe that at all. Calvin Johnson was a different animal, but Raider Nation is scarred since, you know, the Raiders took Jamarcus Russell and let Calvin Johnson go. They think, oh, got to go get this wide receiver. That is the next dude. And I just, I'm not 100% sold. Again, I go back to what he did at Ole Miss, and I think that A.J. Brown was the better wide receiver. Also, DK Metcalf had a pretty horrific injury. Obviously, he bounced back yeah, from it. Yeah, that but, neck injury. Yeah, but that's not something to play around with, man. And so it's kind of something that that makes me say that's a somewhat of a red flag as well. And uh, I just I, I I think that there's other wide receivers that the the Raiders can go get, especially uh, even in the first round. That's not DK Metcalf. I would kind of pass on him, but I know that there's a lot of Raider fans that really want him. I'll tell you this much. David Boston, he's not David Boston, first of all. He's bigger than David Boston. Boston was 6'1", 215 when he came out. Ran a 40 at a 447. Uh, his vert was 37. He had a 9'8 broad jump. Uh, he wasn't six, almost 6'4", six, almost 230. They ran a 4.33 with a 42 or a 40-inch vert. I think the broad jump was like 10, which was kind of average. I was, but, you know, you look at Boston's career, uh, he had 2,000-yard seasons in Arizona. Uh, then he got hurt, um, missed half the year. Over That may have been the year he got suspended. And then he came back to San Diego, signing a big deal, had 880 yards in the one year there, and then went, ended up down to my uh, – missed 24, 2004, excuse me, then went down to Miami, uh, played in five games, really didn't do anything there, and then went to the Toronto Argonauts. Um, so – that is, um, I don't know about David Boston, but I would agree that there are other receivers that have that have had better production than DK Metcalf. Um, what I did think was funny, though, with all the DK Metcalf hype, was all the people saying Al Davis would get resurrected from the grave, <laughs> yeah. and and the Undertaker ones, and like I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, God rest Mr. Davis' soul, but. Um, Paris Campbell had a really nice really, – and, and yeah. he has production, too. This is the Ohio State wide receiver. He had a really good combine, uh, in the, ran in the four threes. Um, he's a guy that could play inside or outside. And Keel Harry from Arizona State had a, had a good – you know, he didn't, He ran faster than what a lot of people ran in the four five. Some people thought he was four six to four sevens. Uh, he had a really nice combine. And um, 
a guy that, I mean, I'm not going to bring up Keyshawn Johnson yet from Fresno State. <laughs> we talked about him before. <laughs> well, no, he ran, he, he ran, I think it was a 4-6-1 unofficially. Right. But, and, and what I love about that, all of a sudden, is Daniel Jeremiah and Steve Smith, all but his hands and his game from he plays faster, he runs faster. He's, he's just, he's a, he's a receiver. Yep. He's, not a, he's not a combine guy. He's a football player. Um, he's a guy that's going to, when he gets on the field, and he's a guy third, fourth round, that's where he's probably going to land. And that's the guy that when it's all said and done, I think he's going to end up being arguably the most productive wide receiver in this class. But the guy I was going to talk about, there's two more guys I wanted to bring up, and then you jump in on any of them. Um, Gary Jennings Jr. from West Virginia. The guy has been a big play guy for a couple of years, makes a ton of plays downfield, can catch the short ball and take it, take it to distance. And then my guy, Debo Samuel from mm-hmm. South Carolina. Yeah. I love South, I love South Carolina wide receivers. I'm not going to lie. The only one I didn't like was uh, Troy Williamson. But I love South Carolina wide receivers dating back to Sterling Sharp. But Debo Samuel is the guy that can play the slot, ran in the four fours. He's strong. He's physical. He can return kicks and punts as well. He's just that tough-minded wide receiver that I think, again, fits what Gruden likes in his slot receivers. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I like Debo Samuel a lot. I mean, I, I really like him a lot, and I, I could definitely see him uh, joining forces with Silver and Black and being a really productive dude. And, uh, you know, that that's something that the Raiders need. The Raiders need somebody that is going to be – the hands guy. He's going to catch the ball all the time with his hands, no matter what, how much traffic he might be in, uh, jump balls. He's going to have to go in and give Derek Carr a chance or whoever's throwing the ball to him at this point. Uh, going to have to go give him a chance to, to come down with a completion. I, I'm excited about this uh, this wide receiver class because, again, going back to uh, Keyshawn Johnson, really, that's the guy that I, I point at. And we've talked about him. We talked about him on the last podcast uh, that a lot of people were sleeping on him. And you mentioned him at the Combine and Daniel Jeremiah. And, yeah, he ran a 4-6, but then when he did the gauntlet, you know, Daniel Jeremiah and Steve Smith are like, man, how could a guy that runs a four six run this uh, this 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 drill and do it so quickly and look like he's running faster than everybody and and catch the hands and catch the ball with his hands and look so natural at it? Even Michael Irvin said, yeah, he's not a sandwich catcher. You know, he's not a guy that that learned how to catch off a jug machine. He's just a a natural receiver. He catches the ball. He's going to be a beast on the next level. I'm excited about him. I really, really hope that the Raiders key in on him and get him, even if I think he's a third or fourth round guy like you mentioned too. But even if they were just to go ahead and reach a little bit and take him in the second round, I think it will be very much worth it, even though, again, they say, well, he's not fast enough. Look, he's fast enough on the field. He'll make it happen. Him and Nikhil Harry are, are my two favorite wide receivers in this draft, and uh, I, would lo- I wouldn't mind seeing both of them get drafted at some point, but we'll see what happens. But, yeah, both those cats I, I really like a lot, and we'll see what happens. Okay, and then there's the elephant in the room. And we'll get to free agent trade talk in just a little while. But there could be a deal for a guy that's, that's been to a Super Bowl, produced at a very high level, I think it's six Pro Bowls, arguably one of the top, well, obviously the top, arguably the best receiver in the NFL, unarguably in the top five, uh, a guy that's going to be traded. Antonio so it's on Brown. Brown. <laughs> Antonio Brown and, I, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm this this is before we did the show and we talked briefly. I wanted to, to change perspective when it comes to Antonio Brown, and we'll get into whether or not we think it's going to happen with some emails that we got um, on uh, Raiders podcast on SBNation at Gmail dot com that we'll answer. But if I were to have told you a year ago that okay, in one year you basically are trading Amari Cooper. For Antonio Brown, 
would you do it? I would think about it. I definitely would think about it. I just would bring it to the the, the conversation that Amari Cooper is a lot younger than Antonio Brown. Production wise, absolutely no question about it. But the 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 age is something that gets me because the age is going to go with the money. So I would think about it just as a because I'm too invested as a sports guy as far as my job. As a fan, I would just say, oh, no doubt about it. But as a guy that is in the position that I'm in that covers sports on the daily, I have to factor in a lot of different things. Like you're bringing that scenario in as a sports guy as well, and that's a hell of a scenario. I would have to think about it, and my only objection would be Brown is older and Brown is going to cost more money than 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 uh, Amari Cooper is going to cost. And who knows what the, okay. he, the Cowboys are going to end up paying him. But uh, that that's my only holdup because as far as production goes, it's A, B, and it's not even questionable. Okay, counterpoint to that is, Look at how much Jordy Nelson got paid last year, and he's two years older than Antonio Brown. And <laughs> and look what he did. <laughs> he didn't have a great season. Not his fault, but he didn't have a great but season no, but, either. But, but we all knew, again, when Jordy got brought in, that was to help change the culture of the team and help with the wide receivers in terms of getting rid of certain receivers that weren't necessarily team guys. They're more me guys. And bringing in guys that were more about football and doing the things – that's conducive to winning football, not just football, but winning football, right. Super Bowl winning football. That's what, you know, and I think, you know, again, anytime a team like the Green Bay Packers lets a guy that's been associated with their team go, like a Jordy Nelson this year, like a Randall Cobb or possibly a Clay Matthews, if I'm another team, my radar goes up like, whoa, 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 they don't just let guys go for no reason, and they're not bad guys personally, so it has to feel like they're – production is slipping or a slip. That was the only thing with Nelson that I had a problem I had with the signing. But the fact that Edgar Bennett is there, he's worked with him in the past, and what Jordy brings as a human being and as a football player, I thought it was a great signing um, from that side of things. But monetarily, he got paid, what, $10 million? Yeah, he, like that. he basically got the same contract that Michael Crabtree got, got cut with. You know what okay. I mean? It basically was a swap. Michael Crabtree for Jordy Nelson. And AB is making 15 this year, I believe. Right, with the with the uh, expectations of getting a new contract, even though he's got three years left on his deal. But okay, but they can always, and they, the Raiders do a fantastic job of reworking deals that that works in their favor. So for me personally, I wouldn't say I'm all for trading for Antonio Brown, but John Gruden loves him. Derek Carr has come out on record when he was here in Fresno over the weekend saying that he would, if the business side of things worked out, would love to have him there. And keep in mind, and Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, there's a good piece about Antonio Brown where that Paul is in and then there's two other writers, one from the Redskins and one from the Titans, other teams linked to him. He pointed out something that I forgot about a few years ago when Derek was at the Pro Bowl. Him and A.B. hit it off, and A.B. fell in love with him. With the saying that he feels he's one of the best young quarterbacks, he feels he's a Super Bowl caliber winning quarterback. He loved he loved to catch balls from him. I think a lot of the talk is to get out of Dodge, even though he's hurting himself. I think a lot of the talk is for him to get out of Dodge. And if you say, okay, if I'm giving up pick was it 33 for Antonio Brown or 35, whatever it is, or I'm getting, 30, 35, 35 is round two, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, a 35 for him, or even if it's pick 27, you can get. And kill Harry or Paris Campbell, maybe A.J. Brown right. or Antonio Brown, 
Like you have to con- like man, like you gotta consider like it. older guys. Yeah, you gotta consider it for sure. I mean, you gotta definitely think about it. and I honestly I think it's going to happen. My my gut feeling tells me I think it's gonna happen because John Gruden loves Antonio Brown. He's he's compared him to Jerry freaking Rice. You know what I'm saying? So I yeah. I definitely think it's going to happen. I just wouldn't be I'm not the most keen on it, but I get it. And, you know, he would be a productive weapon for Derek Carr or whoever's behind center. Uh, I do think it's going to be Carr, but whatever. You know, we'll see. Uh, I I do think that it's going to happen just because uh, he's a guy who could put up those massive numbers if you feed him the rock. And I will say... Uh, he's not like Jordy Nelson, where Jordy Nelson is a team guy. Uh, AB is definitely about AB, and you know he he wants to get the ball. He wants to be the guy. He's gonna put out his Facebook lives. He's gonna put out his Twitter. I mean, hell, now he's doing a five hundred dollar basically meet and greet on Twitter. Now he's doing little like Instagram videos that like I could say <laughs> I could say, hey AB, here's five hundred dollars. Do a video for Joe welcoming his son to the world, and he would do it. And, and it's out there right now on Twitter for $500. I, I get it, and I know AB is just being AB, but a, a little bit of it gets a little bit over the top. But, I mean, hey, right now, you know, it, it's it's that season. It's that time of year where he's trying to get out of town and he's trying to find a new team anyway, so he really doesn't care. But uh, AB a- is, is a silly dude, but I definitely could see him ending up being in the silver and black, and I do ultimately think he's going to end up signing with the Raiders, and I think it's going to end up being sooner rather than later. I would agree with that, and and I'll take it one step further. I don't mind a receiver that wants the ball. I mind a receiver that doesn't want the ball but wants the accolades. Right. I mind I mind uh, uh, Latron uh, Treadwell, <laughs> right. or Troy Williamson, yeah, or Cordell Patterson, or even Cooper. Or even even Amari Cooper never really begged for the ball or never asked for the ball. He just kind of ho hummed it and went through it. So I want a guy hungry too. I just don't want a guy that's going to be disruptive and be. You know, what I mean, I don't want a guy who's going to flip but, out. But he, on the locker room. Not saying he's really going disruptive to. disruptive in Pittsburgh until all the stuff with Ben Roethlisberger started? I mean, since, I mean, like, realistically, Ben's got away with rape. <laughs> Ben's got away with, gonna I'm going to retire. Alone. And then, oh, no, I don't want to retire because you drafted a quarterback. Because right, he's playing, you know, shitty at the moment. Or, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's got away with so much. And, and he puts the blame on everybody. He's never accountable for himself. And Antonio, I mean, for me, yes, I think the communication is sucked between him, uh, that nuke Mike Tomlin, yes, I said that nuke that brother from Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Um, <laughs> and, and I think, okay, I, I feel like that's where the communication kind of fell off base. But you still got to hold Ben accountable. Yes. I, don't, I think AB's frustrated because you're hitching a wagon to this dude who's getting away with things, and you're putting it on me, and, I, and, and I'm open, and he's missing me, and he's putting it on me when I'm one of the best route runners in the game, and his balls are off. I mean, at the same time, yeah, he, is it because he's a diva wide receiver and he's speaking out finally that he's the bad guy? And because saying, look, I don't need to play anymore. I don't want to be in Pittsburgh. I don't need to play anymore. I'm $30 million rich. Let's just play this clip right now of Antonio Brown sitting down with, uh, was it ESPN? Yeah, it was uh, Jeff Darlington. Okay, so now with Jeff Darlington from ESPN, here's Antonio Brown. There's going to be general managers that want to know that that's not going to happen. Bro, bro, listen, I don't even have to play football if I don't want, bro. I don't even need the game. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to prove nothing to anyone. If if they want to play, they're going to play by my rules. If not, I don't need to play. You want the game now? No, I don't. I I, I mean, obviously I want the game, but I don't need the game. It's a different. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to play for no one. Like, I'm happy you see this. It's paid off cash. I don't owe no one. Mm-hmm. I'm a millionaire, bro. I'm an entrepreneur. Like, I don't have to prove no one anything. 
You know what I mean? Like, I never quit and miss a game ever. I check my record. They know right. my background. But that's what the NFL is, is organization. Organizations can create narratives and lower your value based on your position. But you can't lower my value. I'm Antonio Brown. I come from somewhere. I stand for something. I showed you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If someone don't believe that, perfect. Don't call me. Like, it's okay. Like, right. I'm perfectly fine with walking away fully healthy or whatever. So if you ain't got the demands to meet the demands, make it move. I'm not just a young player searching for something to make a difference. I already made a difference. Mm-hmm. The Steelers probably gave me five contracts, including extensions. Almost $100 million and change. I'm $30 million up cash. Like, what do, you, what do you want to tell me? It don't matter. I don't even have to play. My dad was great. If I retire right now, I think I'm great. No, I know he comes off like a me guy, but like sometimes you have to listen to what's not being said. And what he's not saying is, at some point, other people have to be held accountable. At some point, right. like, why am I always the bad guy? You know, like, that's why I, I want a guy that's passionate about football. What, what is the, the, the first characteristic Mayock and Gruden look for in a guy for, that's what they're looking for in players is guys that are passionate and love football. To me, A.B. is exuding passion right now with everything that he's saying or what he said to Jeff Darlington. No, I agree. I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. Matter of fact, that piece that he did with Jeff Darlington, I, first I saw the minute and 30 piece, then I saw the eight-minute piece, then I saw the 43-minute piece, and I, I liked every one of them. And I really started to understand more where A.B. was coming from. I've always said that there's three sides to every story. There's his side, there's the other side, and then there's the truth. And somewhere in, 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 somewhere in there lies the truth, and I do think Big Ben needs to be held accountable. I think Mike Tomlin needs to be held accountable. Hell, I think Art Rooney the second needs to be held accountable because what I took out of those pieces from AB was it's not about production. It's not about lack of balls being thrown at him. It's about a simple word, respect. And respect goes a long way, you know, and he doesn't feel like he's getting respect. And I totally get it. If he's going to bust his tail, if he's going to work his butt off and, and have the best worker ethic in the building. And look, I don't think there's a wide receiver in the league that works harder than him. And I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I just know that he spe- he, he works his tail off and is always working. And that's why he's as good as he is. This guy is a six round draft pick that came from Liberty City. I mean, he came from the slums. Yeah. He, he worked himself up. I mean, he's he's done things that no one ever thought he could accomplish. You mentioned it. His house is paid for. His kids are taken care of. Everything's good. He could walk away. How many of us in that situation, if in our job that we have right now, including myself, if I had an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm not getting enough respect, I'm comfortable enough where I could just walk away. I would love to do that at times. It wouldn't be smart because I'm not financially uh, secure to do that. But he is. So if he were to walk away and say, I don't need this no more, then that would be okay because he doesn't. I mean, again, I just mentioned he's doing $500 videos right now just saying what's up. I mean, I, I can't do a video. I can't do a video for free, let alone do one for $500. You know, nobody... I'd, have to, I'd have to pay someone to play my video. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> I get it. I, I totally get it. But, again, I think there's a few things that he's, you know, stumbled in and probably hasn't done 100% correctly. But that goes with the whole organization everything. So, it, it looks like it's time for a, a fresh change for everybody, a fresh start. Everyone needs to, to go their separate ways. I think, finally, Big Ben said, hey, it's – it's me or him. Either I'm going to gonna leave and retire or you're going to get rid of him. And so they said, all right, Ben, well, you're the guy. I mean, again, the GM called the rest of the players on the team kids. You know, it's Big Ben. He's got yeah. 52 kids. I would take that personal. I'd be like, hold up, Jack. I ain't no damn kid. You know what I mean? I put my pants on the same way you do. I, I got my jock strap just like you do. I, you know what I mean? I'm coming to work, and without me out here catching your passes, what are you? Now, you need a guy that can get you the rock as well. They go hand in hand, but – 
I mean, if he ain't got if he got slubs and scrubs out there catching the ball, he ain't gonna be Big Ben. He ain't gonna be that dude. And if you know Derek Carr or not Derek Carr, but if AB's got some scrub throwing him the rock, he ain't gonna be that dude either. So I mean, I think that there's faults everywhere. So I totally get what you're saying, and I, I that's a, another reason why I believe that Antonio Brown will be a Raider, and John Gruden will do and say everything that you just said about why he's a needs to be an addition to the team and how he'll help the team moving forward. And I remember that at the Pro Bowl about him and him and Derek Carr. And I remember he was begging the coaches to get back in the game so he can catch a couple passes from Derek Carr, and they wouldn't let him get back in the game. But, yeah, uh, he, he's a big Derek Carr fan, so I could totally see all that working out, and I could see them, you know, going for it. I just don't want, you know, him to be a guy who's not used to not winning games and all of a sudden the Raiders get on a rough stretch and they're not winning games and, you know, frustration boils over. Then who knows what happens and who knows what that young locker room, if they're able to handle that or not. If they had some veterans, but, I'd say no problem. But who knows? Can they do it? That, Maybe. That goes to my next point, though. That goes to my next point. Let's say hypothetical situation now, and I actually did a little word doc so I can kind of just – let's say the draft pans out like this, okay? Cardinals, Cardinals take Murray at four. Bosa goes to uh, the 49ers. Cardinals take at him at two. one, right? You mean Cardinals take him at yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Cardinals okay. take Murray at one. 49ers take Bosa out at two. The Jets take uh, Quinnen Williams at three or DK Metcalf. That leaves Josh Allen or, Quinn, or or Williams at four. I think the Raiders take Josh Allen. And while we'll get to the defensive guys in just a little bit. Um, and then they come down to pick 24, and you have a guy like Greedy Williams or Inkeel Harry, Byron Murphy, Noah Font, uh, Cleveland Farrell, Irv Smith Jr., Rocky Asin, Jonathan Abram. You know, you have those types of guys there. So let's just say they take a Greedy Williams at 24. So now you got another corner that you can really lock in with Conley on the other side. you got two really, really good man corners on the outside. And you can always bring back Worley to play the slot a little bit or even slide Conley in and put Worley. It, it gives more you know, depth to your secondary. And then you're sitting there at 27. And if you already haven't already done it, or let's say you have, let's say you traded pick 27 and you have Antonio Brown. Then it comes to round two and you take, uh, you take Irv Smith Jr. Because he's a Bama guy. He's an old school grinder tight end. And Noah Font and, and uh, the other, the other, uh, What's, uh, what's my guy's name from Iowa? Um, I always mispronounce his name. Uh, Hawkinson oh, yeah. is already gone. Okay, so Font and Hawkinson are gone. You have Irv Smith there. You take Irv, Irv Smith. You come back to round three, and you take Keyshawn Johnson. Okay. Now, and let's say you added Landon Collins as a free agent to play to lock in your other safety spot. Do you really think you're going to lose a hell of a lot more games? I mean, you've gotten arguably the top receiver. You still have Jordy Nelson. You have a Keyshawn Johnson that, that's going to make an impact as a rookie. The guy is a brilliant receiver yeah. that understands the nuances of the game. Route running and he, blocking. And the thing about him, and I'm glad Steve Smith brought it up, is he doesn't waste his motion with his hands. He's got very fast hands, and he wastes the last possible second to catch the ball, which is very hard for a DB to defend. And that's something that Steve Smith kind of talked about on Saturday when he was doing his combine, um, but he didn't stay in it a lot. But you, you have that type, of, that type of group with Carr, let's say with Williams, uh, or excuse me, with Henderson as, as your back, and let's say, or even Le'Veon Bell. Let's say you do sign Le'Veon <laughs> Bell. You got Bell and, 
and Brown again. Now look at that team. You got Nelson, Bell, Brown, Carr. Let's say you do resign Jared Cook and you still have Irv Smith there. Now you got an offense that can put up points providing that they can block. Are you really going to lose? Are you going to be on a team that's going to lose more than you win? I think that team, a team like that, could possibly get to eight or nine wins and it's going to win some games that maybe that they wouldn't, they're not supposed to win. No, like, I, 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 I don't know. That's a good argument. It's a really good argument. I, I can see it. I can see the scenario. I mean, you got to look at that. When you're trying to put the roster together, you also have to look at the AFC West, and that's who you're competing with. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're competing with the Chiefs, the Broncos, and the Chargers. Right now, it's Chiefs are 1A, and the Chargers are 1B, and then the Broncos, and then the Raiders. I mean, that's just how it goes. So uh, you're trying to compete and, and put enough weapons around the quarterback like the Chiefs have. I mean, you're, you're really trying to do that. And so I can see your argument. I mean, if, if you're trying to do that and you're trying to win your AFC West, that almost fits right into your argument. Like, you have to, do, and, you have to play it just like that. And I'll say this. Let's say the Raiders only did, did what I just said. They went and signed Williams, the free agent wide receiver from San Diego, who's going to be – he's not going to get a ton of money, but he's going to be one of those guys who's going to get a decent amount of money. With the Raiders' cap room, not only do you hurt the Chargers, you help your receiving core. Now, now you have four receivers and two tight ends with an all-pro running back and a really good rookie running back. Now, you, now you've got action. I don't think the Chargers are going to be that same team this year coming up. I just don't. Denver, there's a ton of questions. I, I think they got Vic Fangio, though. Answers in Denver. Denver got Vic Fangio as their head coach, and that defense is going to be on point. That offense is going to take a while to get there, but that defense is going to be on point. Okay, and then you got the Chiefs. Is is our guy Mahomes going to throw 50 touchdowns again next year? Look at we look at the type of year other quarterbacks had when they first came in. How is he going to go above 50? Can he? Maybe. The way the NFL is officiated nowadays, possibly. But I, I think there, you've seen some chinks in the armor that, that Belichick exposed in the playoffs for the Chiefs, against the Chiefs. And yeah. you see a lot more teams <laughs> mixing up coverages, confusing him just a little bit. Keeping the ball away from him is the best idea. But, uh, no, your, your point is very valid. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that he throws for 50 touchdowns next year. But then again, a drop-off is, what, 40? And that's still a hell of a season. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, this dude's going to be a problem for a while. Patrick Mahomes is a hell of a player, and I think he's going to just continue to get better as long as he's got those speedsters like he's got. I mean, you're talking about Travis Kelsey has a tight end. You know what I mean? You're talking about uh, – uh, Coming off ankle surgery. Coming off ankle surgery, but it's minor. He's only missed one game in his career. I'm not worried about him missing any games. I would love for him to miss some games, but he's not going to do that. <laughs> that uh you know and, and then you got the wide receivers on the outside that are just burners you know so i, I it's going to be a problem they're going to be a problem for a while but the the wild card is they got andy reed as their head coach and he always finds a way to screw things up at some point and that's not disrespectful it's just the truth it is so, so my point is when it, we go back to brown man we got the combine we've got on ab do we think it's going to happen that was one of the questions one the question that um that um mash uh, emailed us his likelihood of it actually happening for training for AB or, or or Odell Beckham. I think we're both in agreement that Antonio Brown is more likely than Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham, you're going to have to give up a lot more. Plus, mm-hmm. albeit he is younger, he's got a really big contract that you're going to have to absorb. Um, and I think at the end of the day, my personal opinion, and I don't, I've never had a conversation with Odell Beckham. I think AB is more about football than Odell. That's just me. I would be less worried about A.B. in Vegas than I would be somebody that goes and parties with Trey Songs on a yacht the Monday before <laughs> a playoff game with his other receivers and then drops 
two touchdowns and in five other balls in a game and then punches a hole in the, in the wall at Lambeau Field. That's just me. But I still think he's one of the three best as far as technicians, wide receivers in the NFL. But for me, um, I would go ahead and make that move for A.B., and I actually think it does happen. No, I do too. I'm with you. I think it happens, and I'm even going to go a step further. Uh, March 17th is the day that A.B. gets a $2.5 million roster bonus from the Steelers. I think that the trade happens before March 17th. So, I mean, you look at that. That's right around the corner. I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later, and uh, Antonio Brown will be a Raider. I think he plays under the contract that he has right now for 2018 or 2019, excuse me, and then uh, the Raiders find a way in the offseason uh, headed to Vegas to to give him a new contract. And, uh, you know, even though he has three years left on his deal and if they want to play hardball, they can. But I think that Gruden is so enamored by Antonio Brown that he can't help himself and he's going to give up something. I'm hoping at the very at the very most that he gives up is number 35 overall. I'm just going to throw it out there. I, I just something about those first round draft picks. I don't want to give up, especially for a 31 year old wide receiver. But uh, if he has to give up a pick, I'm hoping it's going to be like 35 or later, but we'll see how that shakes out. I do think it happens before March 17th. Okay. Over under Sunday being he's trading either before, he's traded Sunday over under Sunday by one at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Sunday. Um, no, that's, I that's the start. That's the start of the new year, I believe. No, no, the start of the new year is March 13th, and the tampering period starts on March 11th. On March 11th okay. at, at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So uh, Sunday don't mean nothing to me. I think uh, he. I think it's just by. I think it's by the 17th. I don't think it's going to be by you know like the 13th or the 14th. I think by the 17th before that date it happens. Okay. Okay. One more wide receiver before I move to tight ends and take a quick break and come back to talking about defense. Uh, a guy that stood out to me. Um, and it, God, it kills me to say this because of the school he comes from, <laughs> uh, not because of the person. But Miles Boykin from Notre Dame. Yep. He, yep. you know, I know the kid from Iowa State had a had, has he's six six or six five and a huge catch radius, but does he always catch the ball? Boykin makes plays, and he's like six four, and he ran like in the four fours, I believe. He's a guy that again, could fit in nicely as a young receiver on the outside that you could move a guy like A.B. around a little bit, a lot like an Inkeel Harry, who also returns uh, kicks and punts, which would help. But Miles Boykin is another name to keep an eye on. Um, I know he really helped himself with the combine. Yep. Uh, and, he, he, you know, he's a guy that I came away like, maybe I need to go back and watch some more Notre Dame highlights and watch him at Notre Dame a little bit more than I have in the past, in, in part because – I despise everything Notre Dame, including the movie Rudy. And um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it is what it is. So, yeah. And, and I don't care. The Bush push was the best thing to ever happen in front of Touchdown Jesus. So leave it at that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. But he, he did, man. He did. He, uh, he really increased his stock a lot at the Combine. And he is a guy that you got to go back and say, okay, hold on. Uh, did I miss something here? And this guy can really probably help out a team. And yeah, that's why I'm excited about this this whole draft because I feel like the Raiders have so many holes. There's and there's a lot of uh, players in this draft that can fill a lot of these holes. So they just 
have to get it right. And you can't expect any team to go 10 for 10 on their picks or whatever like that and just get nothing but studs throughout the draft. You can't, that's not realistic. But man, if you can get, you know, three or four good starters out of this, I mean, even three starters out of this thing and some real difference makers, man, you're, you're really on the right track. And of course, if you add some guys free agent wise that you know can help out, you know, and you, you know what your quarterback or who your quarterback is going to be, you know what that situation is going to be like, you can really fast track this whole situation. And, and 2019 could be an enjoyable season. And then 2020, you can actually land in Vegas and think that, hey, man, this team has a chance to, to really make a run for things. And maybe they're challenging the Chiefs for the AFC West title. Who knows? But I'll tell you one thing with the Golden Knights. And you know this with the Golden Knights landing in Vegas and doing what they did their first season. The expectations are going to be high for the Raiders in, uh, in Vegas when they land in 2020. Yeah, the honeymoon. They won't have a honeymoon period. Nope. Like that. That that was the biggest. If I was if I was Mark Davis, I would I would have been like, damn it, Bill Foley, who's the owner of the Golden Knights, and and uh, the and Gallant and the rest of those guys who 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 are the head coach and the run of the Golden Knights. You guys make a Stanley Cup final run, and we don't have a grace period. Um, but I think that's part of the reason why. Early on last year, the Raiders said, "Okay, let's blow it up, and let's just, let's let's make that 2020 the year where we are competitive on the field and and really bite the bullet this year, and um, and and turn around and and hopefully in 2020 be, be you know use 2019 as a year where we get better, we get more talent, but then really 2020 make that run. Um, but then you got guys you know like last year, like Jared Cook, like Jared Cook was the best receiver on the team last year. And I don't think it was close." Um, and this, and he's a guy that he just can't seem to land. I mean, he did in, in Tennessee. I think when Tennessee and he went to the Rams or however it went, Rams to Tennessee, where he just he didn't get that really big contract. And he signs a one-year deal with the Packers. They sign Martellus Bennett. He goes to the Raiders on a two-year deal. And now he's a free agent. And he's a guy that I think they really need to bring back. Um, but this tight end class is so damn deep. I mean, this class, I mean, Noah Fant is that modern-day tight end. 6'5", runs a 4'4". I mean, this guy does does everything. Jumps out the gym. He's a willing blocker. Then you turn around and you have his teammate, TJ Hawkinson, who won the Mackey Award last year, who says, I just love the block. Like, I love playing tight end, catching balls, but I enjoy putting people on their asses. Then you got Irv Smith. Who doesn't? Who is a six-five, two-fifty? He's that 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 tight end. It's a classic tight end, a lot like Keith Jackson to me, or even a lot like his father, Irv Smith Sr. And he's a guy that on tape, watch him block. He does. He doesn't leave. Um, he doesn't leave any questions. He leaves answers when he blocks, which I really enjoy watching with him. Watching him. Um, Caleb Wilson started off at USC. His dad left. Uh, to go coach in the, in the NFL, so he transfers to UCLA. Uh, he's a guy that they had on as a, as a walk-on, but he was basically he was going there tuition-free because his dad was a coach. Um, they let him go across town to UCLA, and he has just a really productive rest of his career. A big guy, again, a six-four, six-five guy. Um, Alizé Mack, who's a local guy out of Vegas, went to Bishop Gorman, ends up going to that school that's not be mentioned with uh, Touchdown Jesus, and. <laughs> Had a really good, had a really good combine, and then and then there's the sleeper guy that comes out of the Mountain West Conference that just put on a show, Josh Oliver from San Jose State. Yeah, and you're like, like, are you kidding me? Like those are just 
you know, six guys that stood out in a really deep tight end group at this combine, Q. Yeah, no, the tight end group is very, very deep. Uh, I'm a big fan of Noah Fant. I just think that he has all the tools and he can get it done. Uh, really excited by what he did and really what he did at the combine kind of solidified what you already thought about him. But then it just kind of showed you that he's ultra athletic. And man, oh man, you think about him and that John Gruden offense, what he can do. Uh, Jared Cook, he had a hell of a season. He's a guy that I don't think is going to return to the Raiders only because he's going to test free agency. And this is his last opportunity really to get a big contract compared to the one-year deals that you were talking about that he got before. So I think this is going to be his opportunity to cash in. I don't think the Raiders are willing to pay that kind of money, even though he's a hell of a player and and did a hell of a job for the Raiders. So uh, I think that going into the draft and getting the guy is the way to go. And, uh, you know, I, I would look at Irv Smith as well. That's another guy that I really like. And and uh, most reports are he's even better than O.J. Howard. And I thought O.J. Howard was a damn good tight end at Alabama. Oh, yeah. You know, and I thought that Tampa Bay got a steal when they got him. And uh, for some reason, they just haven't been able to use him correctly, in my opinion. Or they haven't used all their weapons. Yeah, exactly. But that's a that's Crab a legs. that's a yeah that's a whole nother uh, conversation. But uh, yeah, those those two guys in particular are really uh, my favorite guys. And then uh, Jay Sternberger out of uh, out of Texas A and M. And look, he he was a guy that was going to to uh, junior college, and and A and M just happened to go there to scout somebody else and saw him. And then they said, hey man, this dude could play. And he goes and puts under puts on a, a hell of a season under Jimbo Fisher. And so he's all of a sudden put himself in the conversation. And you know he he hasn't been doing it as long on a high level, but at the same time. Uh, he looks like a guy that could be had on, on late day two or, or possibly on day three and could still end up being a really good tight end for you. He's not that great of a blocker, but, man, he could do everything else. And, and he's got a little bit of the, the blocking technique down. He doesn't have a whole lot because he only played that one year under Jimbo Fisher. But, yeah, man, those are three guys that I, I'm really got my eye on. Again, Noah Fant really is the top of the charts for me, and then Irv Smith is right behind him. And then, like I said, I look at Sternberger from uh, A&M and, and think, man, those are three dudes that could really get after it. But – they ain't the only guys. Like you mentioned, man, the tight end class is really, really deep. Again, if you're looking for defensive help, if you're looking for tight end help, uh, a few offensive linemen uh, also in, in the trenches can help you out. But, I mean, that's that's really where it's at, man. Defense and tight ends is really where this draft is, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. And and I would be – and I, I, mean, I may be in the minority in saying this. I wouldn't mind the Raiders taking a fat at 24 – if you feel like your defensive side is taken care of, or if they don't trade for Antonio Brown, they have picked 27, one of those picks using it on a tight end, and come back in the fourth round and maybe go get a stone burner. Or go get another tight end in the middle of the later rounds of the draft and double up there. A lot like the Patriots did when they got Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. Um, you've seen a few other teams do it as well. Uh, last year, I believe it was the Ravens that took the, the tight end from South Carolina and they came back and got the kid from yep. Oklahoma in like the, the third and fourth round or second and third round last year. One is more of a classic tight end. One is that new age tight end. So I would, I would, I think that'll be a good look in in a lot of ways because now you can again call it. Football is all about mismatches. You know, if you can find your mismatch on the outside or you know defensively, if you can beat the hell out of the guards, you're going to win the majority of the games. That's that's really the key to football. If you really want to know teams that win games. Look at the teams with the interior line that beats the hell out of the opposing team's guards. Those are the teams that win a lot more than they lose. And um, at the end of the day, drafting two tight ends wouldn't be not necessarily a bad move for the Raiders, all things considered, especially if they do lose Jared Cook. 
Right. No, it, it wouldn't be. You know, they got that that young man that they picked up from Baltimore like midseason last year that looked like he he uh, showed a little something. And I hate that I forget his name right now, but he he was a pretty athletic dude. And uh, matter of fact, came to play uh, pretty well after they picked up Baltimore. After they played Baltimore, they actually put a, they, they put in for him. He was on their practice squad. And basically they lost to Baltimore and then took him back to Oakland with him. And uh, he ended up being a, a pretty decent player for him. So he might be somebody that they're looking at for the long term. But he's a guy that's had uh, multiple suspensions and multiple uh you know drug failure tests and so he's kind of he's kind of uh on his last leg so he's got to walk the, the straight and narrow and i mean that's an everyday battle i mean everyone knows that if you you're on that kind of that kind of uh trajectory you got to really really be careful everything you do every single day you got to really uh fight all those demons that are out there so hopefully he can stay stay on the straight and narrow and be a player for the raiders and god i hate that i forget his name but anyway he's a uh, uh he, he looked like he was somebody special so maybe they only get one and and, and think that they could pair him with him or maybe they do go draft two again in John Gruden's offense uh two tight ends could really work out in in a major way I mean hell we've seen them throw offensive linemen out there as their second tight end before so uh there, there could be a you can add you get so many more variations to your offense so many more things you can do if you have two quality tight ends and I love the the the, the comparison to uh, Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez because when those two dudes were at their peak they were pretty much unstoppable Absolutely. Okay, so what we're going to do, because it's such a big show, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to actually do a second show. All you got to do is download that show, another edition of Q&A. This is our huge post-combine show. So right now, go ahead and download the second part of Q&A. We'll be right back, and we'll talk about defense, and we'll get into fact or fiction plus your questions on Q&A on the Silver and Black Tribe Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. <laughs> 